Hello, listeners. This episode was recorded earlier this year, pre-COVID, in Saffron Walden in the UK. In fact, I flew back the day before the U.S. travel ban went into effect in March. I'm grateful that I had the chance to speak with Mark and Mary Angela in person, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. From mouse models in 1981 to cloning Dolly the sheep to a couple of Nobel Prizes, stem cells have had an exciting half-century. But rearranging the building blocks of life is not easy, and more importantly for patients, not fast. However, newcomers on the market are ready to change the stem cell programming for the quicker. Joining me today are Mary Angela Iovino, Group Leader of Integrated Biology at Charles Rivers Saffron Walden Site, and Mark Cotter, the founder of the cellular reprogramming startup BitBio. They are here to discuss the innovative technology created by Mark and his associates and how it can be exploited by end users like Mary Angela. Welcome, Mark and Mary Angela. Hello. Hello, thank you. Welcome to beautiful Saffron Walden. <laughs> <laughs> nice weather. Yeah, not bad. So can we start at the beginning? What are sure. stem cells, briefly? <laughs> so stem cells are really the origin of any complex organism. Um, they're formed pretty much after an egg is fertilized. And their role is really to reproduce all the cells uh, in, in the body uh, of, a, of a human or, or an animal. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing, though, is that Yamanaka in 2007 showed that one doesn't have to fertilize an egg to produce stem cells. You can also produce them synthetically using cell reprogramming. And that really has opened up the use of stem cells for drug discovery and clinical applications. Cool. All right. What practical uses do stem cells have for drug developers? I think they're the door to using human cells in drug development. This is really important because there's a huge translation gap at the moment between um, the animal models and cell lines that are traditionally used right. and um, the high failure rates that you see in clinical trials. Yeah, totally. Um, they boil down mainly to two things. Mm -hmm. First, um, drugs fail because uh, they're toxic to a human or because they don't work in the human setting. Mm -hmm. And so at the center of all this differences between the species used for drug development and us as the end users. So what you're saying is that the stem cells can be made from human cells, and that way they're tested on human cells instead of a different species. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So how were stem cells traditionally used to create cells like brain cells? Mm -hmm. So the traditional paradigm was to try and repeat what happens during development when mm -hmm. an embryo grows in utero. And so researchers for the last 20 years or so tried to um, create protocols that expose cells to extracellular cues, molecules uh, that exist in the growing embryo and instruct them or direct them uh, towards uh, particular cell fates. One of the problems th uh, that you have if you repeat this paradigm is of course you're brought into the timelines of, of embryogenesis, mm -hmm. which basically means um, it often takes you know, 60, 100 days plus to generate a human cell. And the other problem that you have when you adopt this method is that you have to overcome the diversity that nature requires to uh, create cells. So the worst thing that can happen during development is if a lineage, an organ or a cell type, isn't produced, is right. lost. Uh, and so 
nature seems to uh, prevent this using um, stochastic principles. So these cells make cell-fate choices all along the way. If you think about a protocol that takes 60, 100 days with multiple steps where cells make these choices, then you end up uh, with inconsistencies. So inconsistency and long timelines are really the biggest bottleneck in, in traditional stem cell biology. So it's basically, I mean, if we're trying to imitate nature, nature's trying to make all of the organs and we maybe only want brain. So using nature's methods is a little bit tricky. So I would say if you wanted to produce a particular cell type, it's very tricky. Yeah. Uh, in terms of producing elements of an organ, um, it's probably slightly less tricky, although you still have the inconsistency question. Right. Uh, and then this new paradigm called uh, cell reprogramming, mm -hmm. which is essentially uh, an expansion or a reverse engineering of Yamanaka reprogramming, mm -hmm. uh, provides an alternative route. So you can now uh, very efficiently and very quickly uh, produce uh, human cells using um, this synthetic biology paradigm. Okay. Before we get into your new method, Mary Angela, did you ever use the old method of stem cell production? Yes, so um, we actually have quite experience in uh, using uh, the old method or traditional differentiation protocols to differentiate uh, um, human-induced prepotent stem cells in different uh, neuronal subtypes. Okay. And um, yes, I can say, as Mark already uh, mentioned that these protocols are actually uh, quite lengthy and um, have also low reproducibility and mm. this uh, is a major limitation especially for drug discovery programs because right. you need high consistency uh, of um, all the neuronal batches that you um, want to produce in support of drug screenings. Yeah. So, yeah. so now Mark, let's get into your innovation. How does BitBio speed up this process? So I think what BitBio did is to make this very reliable. Um, so we didn't reinvent the wheel in terms of reprogramming, but we found a method um, to instruct cells to actually reprogram into uh, a target cell type. So cell reprogramming really is switching on a cell type program from within. This is encoded in genes that are called transcription factors. And because um, cells are really good at detecting what shouldn't be expressed or switched on at a particular state, they usually silence these new programs. And so what we had to do is we had to come up with a, re uh, a way of tricking the cells to accept these programs. And the way we did it was we used uh, traditional molecular switches and embedded them in safe harbor sites of the genome, which are quite unusual stretches of DNA, which first of all, can take up foreign um, DNA, and at the same time, don't seem to silence it. And um, these are actually preserved uh, between species. So Charles River has a lot of experience with the Rosa 26 locus in mice, etc. Uh, this also exists in human beings. There's a fundamental lack of understanding why they exist, but they provide a fantastic opportunity to do what we want to do. So these are areas of the genome that are conserved across several species? That's correct. Okay. And they can be used really like uh, the, the name suggests, like a safe harbor where you can put something in, it's safe, the cells stay safe, but also what you put in there stays safe and protected. Mm. Very cool. 
So can you give us a little bit of the background of your company? How did this research come about? Why were you interested in this area? So uh, I was in the lucky or unlucky position that I was uh, in my academic lab very interested in a cell type that's called oligodendrocytes, a brain cell. Uh, and the unlucky situation about it is that it is extremely difficult to produce from a stem cell, and it takes extremely long. Um, and so we were looking into alternative approaches and started to uh, investigate reprogramming approaches around 2012. And what we found was that using programs that have also been identified in mouse, we were able to produce um, very, very few, maybe one or two cells per million in, in human tissue culture. And instead of trying to improve the cell type program, we did an experiment that taught us that gene silencing seems to be the major bottleneck. So I guess we figured this out long before the crowd <laughs> and then really took an engineering approach, a trial and error essentially, to figure out a way of overcoming this. And this led then to this safe harbor ta targeting strategy that we call OptioX. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, the result that I saw and that we saw blew us away. We didn't uh, expect <laughs> this to happen in such a uh, short time period, and we didn't expect uh, the consistency and the, uh, and, uh, and the yield. So when my students uh, showed me the first videos, I said, uh, go, go away, do it with another cell type, <laughs> and then do it with a different uh, genetic background. Uh, and over time, I think we all we convinced ourselves that this is something that is not a fluke, but something that's really able to make a difference. And then uh, we decided to spin it out. All right. Uh, Mary Angela, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this field? Okay, so I'm um, a scientist uh, as a training. So I actually did my bachelor degree and master in Italy. And then already at that time, I was really interested in, the stem, in stem cell biology and in particular in the application in the CNS, in the central nervous system research. And I had a big desire of exploring more opportunities also abroad, uh, so outside my uh, town where I grew up. And how I came then to Cambridge, where I did my PhD and followed by a post actually in the same department where uh, Mark uh, has his academic <laughs> lab, nice. just in another group, where I gained lots of experience in uh, stem cell culture and neuronal differentiation using uh, IPS model for Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. And I think then at that time I was really interested and fascinated by the use of stem cells and in particular stem cell derived neurons not only for disease modeling, but also in support of drug screenings and uh, also clinical application like cell replacement therapy. Yeah. And I think it was then after my postdoc, then I decided to move into industry with the aim to see if I could apply my knowledge and my expertise in, the, in stem cell to uh, accelerate drug discovery programs, ideally in a neuroscience contest. I understand that CNS is a particularly difficult area to get <laughs> drugs to work in. Yeah. So I guess this comes in pretty handy for that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think uh, this probably also because going back to you know the definition of the stem cell and you know what they can provide, I think the major advantage is also uh, that stem cell can give um, rise to a cell type such as neurons that are difficult to access mm -hmm. through um, human tissue. And this is a major advantage uh, and extremely important tool for drug discovery purpose. Yeah. 
Thank you. Given all this background, what would be your elevator pitch for BitBio? So uh, BitBio is a synthetic biology company focused on generating human cells for research, drug discovery, and cell therapy. Perfect. That's a very good elevator pitch. <laughs> um, and Mary Angela, as a researcher, can you describe how you use Mark's product? So having neuronal cell models using the traditional differentiation protocols that we describe takes quite a long time. Yeah. And these are also um, difficult to reproduce and to scale up. So having then access to a technology that um, will allow us uh, to overcome these problems of scalability, reproducibility, uh, is a major advantage for us in drug discovery as we are looking for platforms that will allow us to test hundreds of thousands of compounds and having this uh, model system, cellular model system, is uh, of a major advantage. Do you ever use specific patients to get the cells? Mm. Have you gotten to that point yet or is it just kind of a generic pool of candidates? So we can do both. We can provide specific genetic backgrounds, so patient-derived material that is then transformed into neurons. And we have off-the-shelf products as well. BitBio is expanding its portfolio as we grow. So this could be used for personalized medicine, theoretically? Possibly, yes. So tell me, each of you, what is your personal biggest goal for your research? What's the holy grail of your research? Uh, my biggest goal in the stem cell area is the possibility of using one of the stem cell platforms that are now available in support of a drug discovery program with the ultimate aim to see a drug bring to the market thanks to one of these platforms. So I think this is my biggest uh, dream so far. <laughs> Do you have a particular disease that you'd really hope to get a drug for? Yeah, so we have done lots of work in the CNS um, disease area and uh, in particular on Huntington disease. So probably this is my biggest dream to, to see uh, a drug uh, on the market for that Huntington's. will help yes, yeah. a patient with these devastating neurodegenerative disorders. Wonderful. And how about you, Mark? So I've got two dreams, really. One of them is um, that our cells are being used across the labs around the world and that this is going to help standardize the research but also make human cells accessible. Uh, and that um, drug companies, contract research organizations such as Charles River can actually use them f uh, to develop a new generation of drugs uh, that really make a difference uh, that won't fail uh, when they are translated to clinical trials. And of course, we'd like to see our cells used for therapeutic uh, purposes as well. And so how are we preparing for this? Um, so we have given us a moonshot where we want to be able to reproduce any human cell within the next five to seven years. Wow, okay. Thank you so much for coming in. And uh, I hope you had fun here in Saffron Walden. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.